Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 240 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. We got a big, big show for you guys today. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel. As always, guys, make sure that you share the show, get it out there to everybody. Likes, shares, subscribes, that's what we need. Today, we got Diego Magdaleno on the show. He's got a big fight coming up in a couple of weeks on a very, very big card. All right, so uh, lots of news and rumors to talk about today. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, is that third fight happening or not? Uh, well, depending on who you talk to, it's happening this year. Some people say it's happening next year. Some people say it's not happening at all, depending on who you talk to. I'll talk about the latest I've heard and let you guys know. Yes, I am rocking the Dodgers hoodie. Yes, I know. I've lived in Atlanta for a couple of years now. The Dodgers and the Braves are about to play a series. The winner of that series goes to the World Series of Major League Baseball. A lot of my Atlanta friends that I'm starting to make will be very, very pissed off that I'm wearing this Dodgers hoodie. But guess what? I lived in L.A. for 10 years. My grandpa Calabrese, my mom's dad, uh, loved, absolutely loved the Dodgers growing up. So I've always been kind of a Dodgers fan. Um, but anyway, I'm still a Dodgers guy, all right? I haven't completely assimilated to my Atlanta sports teams yet, so I'm, I'm rolling with the Dodgers, so yeah, you guys are going to just have to accept it, all right? Maybe a few years from now, I'll totally, totally transform into an Atlanta sports guy, and I'll be rocking some Braves gear. We'll see. Okay, anyway, guys, this is TNC 240, episode 240 for the week of October 17. You guys know the numbers. In the USA, it's 213-267-7787. Toll free. In the UK, it's 020-81-036-051. That's toll free in the UK. All right. Uh, also, as I mentioned, Diego Magdaleno should be on the show probably in about 30 minutes. We'll have him on. Uh, he has a fight coming up October 31st on the Showtime pay-per-view card headline of course by uh, Javante Tate Davis fighting Leo Santa Cruz so that should be fun to talk to him he fought Teofimo Lopez last year right so I definitely want to talk to him about the big lightweight showdown this weekend between Lobachenko Lopez get his thoughts on that so that should be a fun interview okay before we get into some fun stuff let's uh, let's talk about some sad stuff okay guys it was on this day last year on this day 12 months ago in Chicago Patrick Day suffered uh, injuries in the ring, in a fight in the ring on the uh, Usyk uh, Witherspoon undercard that uh, ultimately claimed his life four days later on October 16th, 2019. So uh, I just thought it was very fitting. Uh, those of you who follow me on Twitter, you saw me tweet about it. Actually, Daniel Jacobs, who is a friend of his, uh, put up a really nice video, a really nice tribute, and I retweeted that. I thought it was very well said. I, I, he said it better than I could. And obviously he knew Patrick uh, very well. Uh, but it's one of those things that I got to say, the most surreal experience I've had so far in boxing media. I mean, seeing that whole thing play out right in front of me, him being carried out on the stretcher. You know, I've talked about it a few few times on the show. And you guys that subscribe to The Ring Magazine, as you all should be doing, you read my tribute piece to, to him. Uh, about a month or so later. So I definitely wanted to bring that up. And then also that segues into uh, <laughs> more sad news, man. Uh, Ricardo Jimenez, who is a public relations guy, started out a long time ago as an actual boxing writer. 
but was a, a publicist. Uh, you know, did a very good job. Everybody in the business knew this guy. He passed away this weekend, I believe, from a stroke. Uh, you know, I was friends with Ricardo on Facebook, and I actually saw it was it was one of his his daughter that. Um, uh, made a post about what happened and I saw some stuff on Twitter but like late last night and I didn't want to say anything until I heard some official news and then I saw uh, the, the Facebook post from from his daughter on his uh, profile but the daughter posted it and um, I shared that on my Montero unboxing page on Facebook because uh, they are trying to raise uh, funds to help out uh, with this, the services and everything for the family so uh, if you guys want, check that out. It's on my Facebook page, Montero Unboxing. Uh, but Ricardo was um, a super, super nice man. Anybody who's worked in boxing at, at any capacity in, in media, whether you're kind of just starting out amateur media, mid-level, or one of the you know A-level guys uh, working for a network or something, you've you've spent time with Ricardo and. Um, or if you if you you know tried to get a fighter interview or something, you've worked with him to set that up, or you know credential situations at a fight, that kind of stuff. Just always super super nice man, just a super great guy. So that was really really sad to hear about. So just wanted to put that right out at the start of the show. Uh, just if you guys, as always, like I always say, we're all boxing family, right? Uh, this is a crazy niche sport with crazy fans and crazy athletes and crazy promoters and crazy network people. We're all a little insane to be a part of this business to whatever capacity it is. But in the end, we are all family. It might be a crazy dysfunctional family that argues at every holiday, but we, we are a family. So I just want to put that out there, guys. Uh, keep, keep these men in your thoughts. Keep their, their, their families uh, in your thoughts. Because uh, they deserve that. So anyway, okay. Um, International Boxing Hall of Fame ballot. So I'm an official voter. And I was thinking I would do, you see a lot of people that vote for uh, the International Boxing Hall of Fame. It's the popular thing to take a picture of your ballot and post it on Twitter. Or post it on Facebook or whatever it is. And show everyone who you voted for. Well, I decided not to do that. Um, I actually sent off my my paperwork this morning to those guys up in Canastota. But I was, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, so you have to vote for three men every year, three male fighters, and two female fighters every year. Now females are included, for those of you who don't know. That started last year. You could vote for up to three women, up to five men. So for me, there were three guys on the ballot this year that were locks, there were two women who were locks. And I thought about just voting for two women, three men. I ended up voting for the full limit. I, I voted for three women, five men. If you guys would be interested in me doing a video talking about who I voted for and why on my channel over on Montero Unboxing um, on YouTube, let, let me know. And if so, I'll do a video and I'll kind of break down who I voted for and why. Like I said, the, the three locks for the males, the two locks for the females, those were easy. And when I voted for the extras, that actually was the difficult part. And um, I, I don't know. In the future, I might only vote for just what's required. You know, I, I, I had a dilemma, and I'll talk about that in the video. I don't know if you guys would be interested in hearing about that here. So let me know in the chat, uh, which, by the way, let me make sure I got the chat up here on YouTube and I can see you guys' comments. Um, but, yeah, let, let, me, uh, let me know. 
because because if you're interested, I'll do a video or maybe we'll do a live chat video or maybe we could do that uh, this Friday uh, before, you know, maybe after the weigh in for Loma Lopez and we'll talk about that. Hopefully there won't be any surprises. And then I can, you know, kind of break all that down for you guys. And then, of course, this Saturday, I will do a live fight party on my channel. We'll be watching the fight live, the big lightweight showdown that is for a unification. I don't give a damn what the haters say with all this franchise nonsense. Even Mauricio Suleiman himself. Guys, go to Doug Fisher's Twitter account. He tweeted about this today. I retweeted it. He got it directly from Mauricio Suleiman's mouth. He said, the WBC president said, the winner between Lomachenko and Lopez is the undisputed champion. That comes straight from his mouth, regardless of email titles, franchise titles, whatever. But I will be doing a live fight party on my channel. So make sure that you hang out with us Saturday night. Tiffany and I will be having a few cocktails, watching the fight, doing some live commentary. Those are always fun. And I'm surprised at how popular those videos are. I, I really, really am. Uh, those live fight parties always do big view, viewership numbers. So uh, hang out, man. Hang out. All right. Uh, let's get into some news. Well, you know what? Let's let's start with some rumors. So the rumor is, this is the rumor, that Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, not only is the fight not happening this year, but it's not happening. The rumor, and again, this, this has not been substantiated by uh, by a legit source, at least not in writing. No one's put this out from either camp, but the rumor is that there was like a certain date, a certain threshold where it's like, hey, if we don't sign for this third fight, if the Wilder side doesn't sign by this date, we, the Fury side, can move forward. And it would have been in reverse had Wilder won the rematch. So apparently that date has come and gone, and now Fury is free to make a fight. And I'm sure you guys saw on his social media, he posted, this is directly from Tyson Fury's Twitter. It's from directly from him. He said uh, he's going to do a homecoming fight by the end of this year. So again, the rumor is that it's going to be uh, December, possibly December 5. It could be December 12. I don't know. But sometime in December, he's going to fight over in the UK where he hasn't fought for a while. So I, I didn't really pay any mind to this these rumors and I haven't talked about it, but when I saw Fury tweet something directly like from his account and Tyson Fury runs that account, it's not some publicist doing it for him. That I was like, okay, maybe there's some credibility to this. But again, we haven't heard anything from Wilder's side other than Shelly Finkel, one of Deontay Wilder's 5,000 management people. He has a billion people managing him. Uh, and Finkel said, look, the fight is still happening. We're still doing the fight. It's still happening this year. <laughs> These those two sides have have had a tough time uh, getting their story straight. You know, with this whole negotiation, even for the rematch, the second fight that took place earlier this year. Remember how long that took, man? It took like a year and a half almost to to happen. There is a a difficult negotiation process, and both sides were saying different things, speaking different languages. At this point. If Tyson Fury is tweeting something from his own Twitter account and him and his team feel confident enough to put it out there publicly, I'd have to say there's some legs to this story and that perhaps we get the third fight next year, but there's a big chance right now that it looks like we don't get it. And I don't know about you guys, but to me, I, I, don't, I don't care to see it a third time. If it happens, if Fury and Wilder fight a third time, of course, I'm going to watch it. 
that's a good fight. It's still two of the top heavyweights. It's the legit heavyweight champion versus a top five heavyweight. I'm going to watch, but I got to be honest. I would rather see Tyson Fury fight somebody like Michael Hunter at the end of this year. And then what? Tiffany's saying, am I too loud or too quiet? I'm peeking. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Tiffany coming in with the uh, the audio check. All right, guys. Yeah, we're still working on some audio issues. By the way, the phone issue that was, uh, the phone calls were really, really quiet the last few weeks. That should be worked out this week. So one thing at a time. But I know my mic has been peaking recently, and I do have a tendency to yell. So I'll try to uh, keep working on that. Anyway, okay. Thanks, Tiffany, for messing up my train of thought. Just kidding, baby. I love you. Um, I would much rather see Tyson Fury fight Michael Hunter at the end of the year. For the record, Michael Hunter wants it. He has been very, very clear about this. He wants that fight. And um, I just want to see Fury against somebody else. And quite frankly, I'd rather see Wilder against somebody else. I'd like to see Wilder build himself back up before we see a third fight. If we end up getting Fury and Anthony Joshua at any point next year, it is a net win for boxing. It is a net positive for the sport and for the fans. So I hope that these rumors are true. And at some point, we get something in writing, you know, from reputable news sources, not tabloids, that we can print, that we can put out, that I can talk about. We shall see. Okay. Uh, let's talk about actual news, okay? Not just rumors. Oh, before I do that, we have a super chat pledge from Harrison Property. Thank you so much, my man. He says, howdy, Mike. What happened to Radio Rahim? He appears to have been missing for the last six months. I just found it strange that he suddenly disappeared. Thanks. Well, thanks again for the super chat, brother. Um, as far as Radio Rahim, dude, I, I have no idea. Um, I follow Rahim on social, like on Twitter and stuff. He follows me, but we really don't talk like that. Um, I, I honestly have no clue. I know that he did a little bit of work with DAZN for a while, but DAZN kind of, I don't know what their situation is. I think they've laid people off. I don't know if he was affected by that. I honestly haven't talked to the guy in a very long time. I think the last time I saw him in person was at the Davis, uh, Gamboa fight here in Atlanta uh, last December. So that was, what, 10 months ago. That's the last time I've seen him or talked to him. I honestly have no idea. I saw some post on his Twitter uh, during some of the social unrest that was going on earlier in the spring and stuff in relation to that. And that's all I've really seen from him uh, on social. But I, again, I just haven't talked to him, bro. So I'm sorry I can't give you a better answer than that. Um, but maybe we'll hear from him soon. DAZN has some cards coming back in the last couple months of the year. Their schedule will pick up. They've had an abysmal 2020, but so have most people. Let's be honest, most platforms. Okay, but um, speaking of, Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce set for November 28th. And uh, I think that's DAZN here in the United States, but over in the, or maybe that's, I'm sorry, guys, that's ESPN Plus, I believe, here in the United States. But over in the UK, no pay-per-view. So I know a lot of you uh, UK guys get bombarded with uh, the, the pay-per-views over there. This fight between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce is on regular BT Sport, which is really, really cool. That's a heavyweight fight a lot of people have been uh, anticipating and looking forward to. 
And the fact that that's going down with no pay-per-view over in the UK, where these are two domestic UK guys over there, right? Um, not that they're huge brands or anything, but they're two undefeated heavyweights from the UK. A lot of times in recent years, those sorts of matchups have gone to pay-per-view, not this time. So I love that that fight is on regular BT Sport. Um, also, another quick item, Jack Catterall accepting step-aside money to make way for a complete unification at 140 pounds between Josh Taylor and Jose Carlos Ramirez. I love this. I love that Catterall is, number one, doing the right thing, but number two, getting paid to do the right thing. Win-win for him. He, he looks like a good guy. The fans are happy. Th think about this, guys. I always talk about in boxing playing the short game, playing the long game. Where would Jack Catterall make more money? Fighting for fighting Ramirez right now because he's a, I think he's a mandatory for one of Ramirez's titles, or taking step aside money a few hundred grand. Well, obviously he's going to get more money fighting against Ramirez right now. But long game, take a few hundred thousand dollars or whatever. I don't know the exact amount, but I think it was six figures, low six figures. Take that money now. Look like a good guy to the fans, to the sport, to everybody involved, all the promoters, the networks are happy that you're doing this. And then at some point next year, he is going to be lined up to fight the winner between Ramirez and Taylor, whichever, whoever it is, whether it's Taylor or Ramirez. If it is Taylor, that matchup becomes a big, big deal in the UK. But if it's Ramirez, Catterall could come over here to the USA and fight uh, Ramirez, and that's a big fight in Vegas. But either way, he's going to make more money. He's going to make more money because he's going to be going for all four titles, man. So it's, it's, it, do you want the instant gratification to fight for one or, two, I'm sorry, two titles right now? Because Ramirez has two titles. And yeah, you're going to get probably a seven-figure payday or high six figures. Or do you want to wait maybe a year, take a little step aside money, make everybody happy, look like the good guy. And then by this point next year, fight either Taylor or Ramirez for definitely seven figures because you're going for all four titles in a big, big fight. Obviously, if you play the long game there, in the end, you do better for yourself. I wish more people in boxing, not just fighters, but especially fighters, I got to say, but also networks, promoters, everybody would play the long game more. Because when you play the long game, generally speaking, not in every case, but generally speaking, it serves the fans and the sport better. So props to you. Mr. Catterall, for doing the right thing. That means that probably early next year, early next spring, we're going to get a fight between Taylor and Ramirez. And ladies and gentlemen, that is one of the best fights you can make in boxing. One of the best fights, hands down, that you can make in the sport. Awesome. Everybody wins. When you do the right thing, everybody wins. See how that shit works? All right, we got a couple more super chats. We got... Uh, well, I got Harrison Property. Thank you again. Trent Nonpareil with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Trent. He says, what's the better card on December 5th? Garcia versus Spence pay-per-view. I think that's Fox pay-per-view. Or Campbell versus Garcia on zone. I'm more hyped for Campbell. Guess Keytroff Alexander is finally happening Friday. Yes, it is. Uh, man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I got to tell you. Look, on paper, okay, on paper, Spence versus Garcia is a bigger fight because it's it's two established guys, right? It's two established guys. But in the end, 
I think the better fight that's going to provide more action is going to be between Garcia and Campbell, not only because of styles, but because um, we don't know what to expect 100% from King Rai, from Garcia. What happens when Campbell lands flush? What happens when he can't just, when he fights a guy that just won't stand in front of him in like a punching bag, like pretty much everyone that King Rai has fought so far? What happens when he's in there with a guy who's actually taller and longer than him, or at least as tall and long as he is? King Rai has only fought much smaller guys up to this point. He's also going to be fighting the most experienced, most accomplished fighter of his career. And yeah, Campbell might be a little bit past his peak, but all things considered, he is uh, still obviously a top 10 lightweight, very well proven uh, lightweight, who obviously Olympic gold medalist, right? Very accomplished. On the flip side, for Campbell, he's been dropped a couple times, but never stopped. What if King Rai actually lands something explosive. Maybe, maybe he takes some lumps early on, shows us something, and stops Campbell late. What a, what a statement that would be, right? I don't think you're going to get that kind of drama with Spence Garcia. I hate to say this, guys. Some, the, the welterweight fights that PBC has put on in recent years, they're always entertaining. They're solid scraps. But if you look, pr- prove me wrong here. They pretty much always go 12 rounds. They're exciting, but I do think some of them have been a little overrated. I thought Spence versus Porter was a good fight, but was it a great all-time welterweight scrap? No, it just wasn't. The fights between uh, Thurman and, and Porter, Thurman and Garcia, good fights. Great fights? I don't know about that. So I mention that because Spence coming off this car accident, there is an X factor there. We don't know to, what to expect, but I think he's going to be tentative in this fight. He's going to stay on the back foot, stay behind his jab, and box. And I just don't think Garcia is going to be able to touch him that much. I think we're going to get a very um, – it, it, it's not going to be a bad fight. It's going to be a good fight. But I think it's going to be $80 worth versus the $20 you get for a whole month on the zone. I, I got to tell you, I know. People are going to think I'm nuts. I'm more looking forward to the Garcia-Campbell fight in terms of watching it because there's, we're going to get answers to more questions, I believe, in that fight. I think Spence is going to win a decision against Danny Garcia. I think it's going to be eight rounds to four, but one of the judges will have it a draw, or one of them will have, two of them will have it 115-113, something like that, and people on Twitter will say Garcia got robbed again, which is ridiculous. I thought Garcia clearly lost to Thurman, and uh, who else did he fight recently? Was it Porter? That, I, I thought he lost those fights. Um, but he'll clearly lose to Spence, but it will be close enough, at least on the scorecards, which is something I see more and more and more from judges, which I'll talk about in the fight review at the Navarrete Villa fight. That I, I, that's how I see that fight going, man. So I got to say, like, dollars to donuts, if you're paying for it, I, 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 like, I, I like the Garcia-Campbell fight because Garcia might be one of the next big rising stars in the sport, and this is his first real test. And it is a real test. It's not just a paper test. It's the real deal. That's just the way I see it. But if the one thing I will say, Spence Garcia, I love that there's going to be fans. That will make it a fun show because there will be fans in attendance. And last time I was in Dallas and I saw Spence fight the other Garcia, Mikey Garcia, the, the fans were awesome. It was a great atmosphere, a great crowd. But uh, Rene Salcido in the chat says, Garcia way overrated. I assume you're talking about Danny Garcia. Look, I tend to agree. Danny Garcia was, at one point, the best junior welterweight in the world. The best. But at welterweight, he's a top 10 guy, but he's a lower top 10 
welterweight right now, and he's just not at the level. He's he's just the right guy with enough of a name and everything to give Spence a push coming off. I, I do give Spence a ton of credit. He could have came back and fought anybody, and none of us would have minded if he took on. He could have fought the 85th ranked guy. None of us would have said a damn thing coming off his accident. I give him credit for fighting Garcia, but there's also eight figures in it for him. Eight-figure payday. That's why he's doing it as well. So um, he's getting well paid for this. And that's what Spence is going to be from here on out, guys. The business plan at PBC is to get these guys going on pay-per-view, and then they're going to fight twice a year on pay-per-view. That is the plan with Wilder, Spence, um, Tank Davis, the Charlo brothers. These guys going forward are going to fight twice a year on pay-per-view. That's what you're going to get. Don't shoot the messenger, but that's that's the business plan over there. It's the same business plan we saw in the 90s uh, on HBO and stuff and, and even Showtime. They're just kind of continuing with that. They're just doing it on Fox, some of it. That's where they're getting their a lot of the budget from, and then still Showtime. So um, you know what? We got another super chat. Another super chat from Sabby MD. Thank you so much. He says, what's up, Mike? Finally caught a live show. Awesome. Thank you for watching live, brother. He says, congrats on all the well-earned success you've been enjoying personally and professionally. All the best, brother. Any update on a P.O. box for fan mail? LOL. Dude, that's a great that's a great question. I need to set that up, man. Um, I got to say, uh, most people don't do the snail mail anymore. They don't send letters. But I have received a few from uh, folks from several different countries that have actually sent letters to publications I write for and those publications have forwarded them to me. I will say this, if you guys have, if you ever want to send me anything, of course you could do it here on the show and everything. But if you want to send me an email, it's Montero Unboxing at Gmail. Easy, easy peasy. But if, um, if, if you think, if you'd like for me to set up a PO box or something like that, I absolutely could, man. I would look, cause I've had some of you guys send me some stuff, you know, we got PS shirts, PS t-shirts, from Canada, who sends me teas all the time. Um, a few of you guys have sent me books. Uh, one of you guys sent me a book recently that I just cracked open. That I got to I got to be more disciplined and read it every day. I've been doing it like every three days. I got to be more disciplined. But a, a few of you guys have sent me books and stuff. I love that man. It's awesome. So yeah, I would absolutely set something like that up if you know you guys think it would be worth it. So just let me know, man. Um, okay, well you know I just. Kind of did a segue into the next news item. I was going to talk about Spence versus Garcia, December 5. That is official. It's at the Alamo Dome, right? Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Davis Santa Cruz is at the Alamo Dome. That is October 31st. But Spence Garcia is at AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas, just outside of Dallas. It's the same location where he fought the other Garcia. Fans are allowed. Now, you guys have asked how many fans. I don't know yet. I do know that that is a massive stadium. Jerry World seats, I think, like 100,000 for the Dallas Cowboys football game. So even if they allowed one quarter capacity, guys, there could be 20, 25,000 fans in there. I, I don't know if that's the plan yet or not. I really don't. And of course, I'll let you know as soon as I do. But imagine if we can get 20,000 fans in there, even if they're socially distanced and all that, that's going to help the atmosphere of that fight so much. And I think it's going to make the show so much more fun. And, um, I, you know, I should state, again, for the record, I'm looking forward to that fight, especially with fans there. It's just, I don't, I wish it wasn't on pay-per-view. I wish that fight was on regular Fox. I think it'd be that much better. 
But I feel like that's something I'm going to be saying a lot in coming months. Uh, one other fight that is, uh, we don't have an official date and venue yet, but it is done. Jamel Herring, Carl Frampton. It's on. I spoke with Jamel this weekend. You guys saw my piece on Ring TV where I interviewed him. He sounded off about the, the fight with Carl Frampton, but also some of the grief and the heat that the fans gave him after his last fight, just where he's at with all of that. I posted that on ringtv.com this weekend. Um, so that fight is going to happen probably in December. They were originally thinking UK, but now there's a, a possibility it could happen here in the States, and which I think is cool. Either way, it's cool. But Jamel is the champ. So if, if there's a way it could happen here, I think that that's doing right by him. But if it's in a jurisdiction where you can't have fans and you could go over to the UK and have fans, I think they'll go over there. We shall see. The winner must face uh, Stevenson, Shakur Stevenson. Of course, the WBO mandated that. So uh, Herring and Frampton, Herring is the 130 WBO title. And I think Stevenson's last fight was like for an interim version of it or whatever. He's basically the mandatory at some point. Next year, the winner between Herring and Frampton would have to face Stevenson. I did ask Jamel about that. He said, yeah, I'd be willing to fight him. He's a good fighter. He might be the future of the sport. Spoke very well of Shakur. But he said, right now, dude, I'm not, th- I'm not thinking about Stevenson. I'm not talking about him. It's 100% Carl Frampton. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one when it happens. It should happen, I think, in December at some point. We shall see. Um, okay. Quick review of last week. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, probably got a few more minutes before Diego's on the line. So last Wednesday, October 7th, Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. Showtime came back with Showbox. And Charles Conwell, recent guest of the show, scored a K- KO9 win over Wendy Toysant. Good performance from Conwell, and he keeps marching forward. He still stays under the radar. He's a quiet guy. doesn't have... The most marketable personality. He's uh, just just a fighter who wants to punch in, punch out, you know, punch the, the the clock right. Time in, time out. Go to work, come home. That's his job, and um, I think that at some point he's going to be lined up for a title shot, and he's going to be a legit player in that junior middleweight division. Which there's a lot of young talent coming up right now that's going to replace the current talent at the top, and I think be better. People talk about that division be loaded being loaded right now, I think it, it might slightly be overrated by some, by some. The young, fresh talent, the prospects coming up right now that are going to be at the top of the 154-pound division in the next two or three years are going to be even better than this current crop. It's going to be a loaded division for a while. I truly, truly believe that. Also on that card, uh, undefeated welterweight prospect out of California, Brandon Lee looked really, really good scoring a KO1 win. And Friday, October 9th at the MGM Grand on ESPN, Emmanuel Navarrete scores a unanimous decision win over Ruben Villa. Dropped him twice early, I think, in the first and fourth rounds. Uh, since winning his title in December of 2018 against Isaac Dogbay, Navarrete fought four times last year. He fought three times this year. And, yes, the opposition hasn't always been top level. But Ruben Villa is a pretty good fighter. I think, I think he is a legit uh, top 10 fighter in that division. And so I, I give Navarrete a lot of credit for winning the way he did against an undefeated boxer with an, uh, a lot of amateur experience, very highly skilled fighter. But let's talk about these scorecards, man. 
Tim Cheatham, who I like. I like Tim. I've talked to Tim um, in person and, and on social. Tim, if you're listening, I love you, bro. I think you do a good job most of the time. But 114-112, and Max DeLuca, a veteran judge, had the same score, 114-112. That basically means without the two knockdowns, you guys saw this as a draw. That is not the fight that took place, man. That is just not the fight that took place. And Patricia Morse-Jarman scored at 115-111, or in other words, seven rounds to five. Even that was too close. And this brings me back to what I was talking about a few minutes ago during the news and rumors segment. There are too many judges now that there is a trend, and I'm not the only one that's talked about this. In fact, um, a couple folks at Rig Magazine on the Rig Ratings Committee, when we were talking this weekend about this fight, they brought it up too. I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact names. I'm sorry. Um, But I'm not the only one noticing this, okay? There is a trend in recent years for judges to kind of grade on a curve. And when you see a fighter get dominated early, which Villa was, Navarrete dropped him twice in the first four rounds, right? I just mentioned that. So in the middle rounds, when Villa starts to kind of find a rhythm and starts to time Navarrete's shots better so he doesn't get clipped, he doesn't get dropped, he's looking better, he's scoring himself, it's easy for the human mind to say, well, damn. This He's doing so much better than he was a few rounds ago. I'm going to give him this round. You don't score makeup rounds. You still have to score the round for who's doing the better work. And if you look at, I know some of you guys hate punch numbers. I'm not going to go through the CompuBox numbers. But I think power punches were near identical for both these fighters. But it was so clear that one guy's power punches were so much more effective. Villa just has zero power. Everything's an arm punch off the back foot. It's how he fights. He's a, a slick kind of boxer. And that style works for some people, but he you have to have power in the pro fight game to excel. The only guy I could think of who didn't have that kind of power, who really carved out a good career for himself in recent years, was Pauli Malignaggi, who won legitimate titles, legitimate world titles, and he just had no power. And the way he fought, he was, you know, it was about boxing and movement. And he could not keep certain guys off him. That's why he had trouble against guys like Hatton. Remember what Ricky Hatton did to Pauly, right? So, so with Villa, um, he just could not keep Navarrete off. And I understand that he looked better. And he did win some rounds, particularly in the, in the second half of the fight. He did win a few rounds. But I would struggle to give Villa more than three, at most four rounds. I thought he won three rounds. I had it 117, 109, I think because of the two knockdowns. So I think too many judges are just great on that curve and do makeup rounds and things like that. Like You have to have no memory when you're a judge. Zero memory. You have to forget what you saw the round before, the round before that. Every round is a new fight. If you think of it that way, and you go back and you rescore that fight, again, guys, I don't see how you give Via more than three rounds. And that's no knock to him. I think Ruben Villa fought well. I think that this was obviously his first big test, his first step up. And although he struggled at times, he finished better. He looked better in the second half of the fight than he looked in the first half. That shows me that he learned on the job. That shows me that he improved from he's a better fighter in the 12th round of that fight than he was in the first round. He will learn from this and become a better fighter. But his lack of power is what's going to cost him against the elite. 
So I still think he's a top 10 fighter uh, at 126. But Navarrete is just a bigger, stronger guy, and his punches matter more. Maybe in an amateur fight where there's only five rounds and all you got to do is touch a dude and get away, Villa beats Navarrete nine times out of ten. But in the pro game where it's all about power, it's not all about, I shouldn't say all about power, but power really matters. Guys without hardcore game-changing pop, um, it affects them. You know, For Navarrete, look, I understand, not the prettiest style, not the he hasn't fought the best fighters consistently, but as long as you're fighting three, four times a year, I'm cool with you taking some soft touches in between. He fought Isaac Dogbay twice. Maybe Dogbay was a little overrated. Maybe we overrated him a little bit. He's still a damn good quality fighter, though. Okay. I think some people were starting to call him elite and put him on this pedestal. Uh, maybe a little that was premature, but he was a good, solid top 10 fighter. And Navarrete took that dude's soul twice. And now against Villa, he looked he looked good. He, I thought he looked fair. I won't say dominant, but decisive against Villa. So he deserves credit. He's one of the top guys in that division. All right. Also on this card, uh, one undefeated 160-pound prospect out of Kazakhstan, Zanabek uh, Alam. Uh, <laughs> I, I always have trouble with these Kazakh names. Uh uh, Alam Kanuli, you guys know who I'm talking about. Un- undefeated middleweight prospect out of Kazakhstan, scores a KO2 win, looked good. This kid is the real deal. And a uh, 140-pound prospect out of Dominican Republic, Elvis Rodriguez, stays perfect with a KO3 win. Saturday, October 10th, uh, no big cards, but a few um, names that fought around the world that I should mention. We did also have an upset special, one of the bigger upsets of the year in Germany. Robin Krasnici scored a KO3 win over Dominic Bosel. This was definitely an upset special. We had Bosel rated, I think, number nine at 175. We had him at the very bottom of the top 10 in that division. Krasnici is one of these guys that's kind of hung around. He's lost any time he's stepped up, but he scores this uh, uh, kind of surprising KO3 win here. And uh, who knows, this might put him back in the title hunt. He might get another crack at one of the top guys. Also in England, uh, Liam Williams scores a KO1 win. Looked really, really good. Looked really good. In fact, I think he's 7-0, all seven knockouts. All seven are knockout wins since his back-to-back losses to Liam Smith. He has definitely improved since those losses to Liam Smith. I think um, you could make an argument. He might beat Liam Smith if they fought today. But he is officially the mandatory for Demetrius Andrade, who has done absolutely nothing all year, but tweet some weird shit. If Liam Williams and Demetrius Andrade end up fighting at the very end of the year in December, I'm cool with it. I know a lot of people, when that fight was talked about, were shitting all over it. They didn't like it. Look, man. I'm cool with it. I think Liam Williams has done enough, 7-0, 7 knockouts, not the best opposition, but he's done what he's supposed to do, supposed to do, and um, he's earned that shot with Andre. I'm good with it. Also, David Lemieux scores a KO5 win in Canada. He has KO'd four uh, of his, oh, I'm sorry, his opponent was KO'd in four of his last five fights. So let's not get too excited, David Lemieux fans. He called out the whole super middleweight division. I get it. Uh, great, impressive knockout win, but you do have to take opposition into consideration, right? So uh, his opposite, this dude's been knocked out in four of his last five fights. All that being said, David Lemieux might be a top 10 super middleweight. I'd like to see him in there against anybody. 
anytime he fights, it's exciting because you're going to get a lot of offense. Not much defense, so it's going to be fun. Uh, Mickey Redmond in the chat says, Mike, I thought Rigadiao took Nonito Donier's soul. Maybe he took a gambit, not the full ensemble. Nah, man, you can never take all of Nonito Donier's soul. That dude's got plenty of it, plenty of heart. But um, he sure did take a soul for a while. Nonito was different for a while, huh? But Nonito hung around, and credit to him. Uh, now, where he's at in his career, you go back to after that Regal fight, a lot of people didn't think he'd be around much longer. Look at him now. So you can never count a fighter out, guys. All right, let's jump over to the phone here and bring our guest on. I think uh, Diego's on the line here. Hang on one second, guys. Mr. Magdaleno, is that you, sir? Yes, sir. Fuego is here. How you guys doing? Doing well, man. How you doing? I am doing great. I just kicked ass in the gym today. I just finished up. I'm I'm ready to rock and roll with you guys. I'm here. I'm live. All right, brother. Uh, well, let's talk about training camp, man. You got uh, you got a big fight. It's the IBF lightweight eliminator, October 31st against Isaac Cruz, young guy. Um, what do you know about Isaac Cruz? Look, I, I know that he's a, a young fighter. I know that he's a right-handed uh, five foot four, five foot five. So I definitely have reach and, and height on him. But what I know about these Mexican fighters and top rank did a great job of lining me up with tough, rugged Mexican fighters throughout my career. So it's something I haven't, you know, it's nothing that's going to be shocking or new to me. Right. Um, what I know is that he's going to come uh, and, you know, try to try to take me out. A lot of his punches are wild punches. They're wide, you know. Um, the first thing, you know, just knowing the sport and knowing the Mexican background, the Mexican style is go to his body, go to his body, and, you know, come over the top with something, with, with the taller guy. So I know that those are things he's going to be coming at me. Me is 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 kind of what my plan is is kind of going back to what I started, you know, back to the boxing okay. and, 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 and processing that with, with what, what Bones Adams has, has been teaching me now, current, you know. Yeah, you've been and with Bones played, for what? Is this your second or third fight with Bones? My second fight. Yes, okay. My okay. second fight with Bones. And you guys saw in my last fight, they put me against, you know, this, what it looked like on paper, a knockout artist, right? Austin Dulay, who was only 24 years old, you know, uprising kid, a, a big star who was going to walk right through me. And I, I got in the ring and I punished him. Right. I punished him. So I, I plan on, I intend on doing the same thing with this new guy who, uh, another young fighter, hungry guy, is I'm going in there, I'm serving ass whoopings and giving out, ha- uh, 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 you know, snow cones at the end of it you know you're never too old to be better you know i'm a father of a three-year-old you know but um uh i i I have a good head on my shoulders and and i'm smart you know the only time i've gotten in trouble is when i when when i lost the game plan when when i didn't think methodically like i know how to do and i just start swinging for the fences that's when i lose it well how how do you prevent that this time how do you prevent that? Because let me say, this is the co-main to the big show, right? Davis and Santa Cruz, Showtime pay-per-view. This is a big Correct. stage. How do you – and now there's going to be fans there. You're going to be at the Alamo Dome. There's going to be, prob- I would guess, or at least over 10,000 fans, you know, even socially distanced and everything. Hey, man, gonna, 
You got the Mexican American fans they're, there. They're, You're gonna have tanks fans there who are crazy too, right? They're crazy passionate. So how do you keep yourself yeah. from getting lured into a brawl, man? How do you stay smart with that? Um, experience, and that's what I have over this kid. Okay. I have a ton of experience over him, you know, and that's what that, that's what uh, I have that favors me over my last opponent, over my future opponents. You know, I've been in the ring and I, I put in work and I, I have these experiences that I've learned from, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be the first one to say 2020 has been great and magnificent to me. You know, I started out with, with a roar, with some fire in February. I kicked ass. I showed everyone that, hey, you're never too old to be better. You're back True in that. the women's circle. I am in the top 10 of the world again, fighting for a world title eliminator, my next fight. And again, with the crowd. So I didn't, I didn't experience it. The only experience I don't have is fighting with no crowd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point because you fought just before all the crazy shit happened. The pandemic happened. And now you're coming yeah. back after it. So, man, you've had a perfect timing this year. Damn, dude. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome that's man. what i'm saying grateful man so so let me ask you about the fans are you excited that you're going to be in front of fans i mean is, it, does that make a difference because i've asked a lot of fighters about this and they try to be stoic and they're like oh man it don't matter i'm still doing in my job blah blah but i gotta think in the back of your mind you're like man i want some fucking fans there right I, that's gotta matter. hell yeah yeah okay hell yeah the fans yeah. matter because it makes a difference when you land a clean shot and someone, and you hear the fans going, oh, you know what I mean? Right. It only motivates you and it gives you that extra boost to keep going, to keep on, you know, trying to take them out. It makes a difference in a fight. It really makes a big, big difference. You know what I mean? It's it's not like, um, you know, what other people, a lot of fighters, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've listened to a lot of fighters sit there and say, oh, you know, when you get in the bow rings, you know, it's just go time. Right. No, it's completely different, man. There's we run off energy. I do. Right. I personally do. If I feel the energy, I'm 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 going at it. You know what I mean? It's it's giving you that extra strength, even when you're in the last round and you're tired and you're looking for a hell mary to throw. It's that energy that they're driving you to keep punching, to keep going. Uh, of course, it matters to me. I would rather fight with a crowd than without a crowd, any day. I hear you, brother. And thank you for answering that, honestly, because I, again, I've asked so many fighters that question this year. And, you know, it's kind of like a wink, wink when they answer, because I know what the truth is. Of course you want fans there. And, and like for people watching at home, they want fans too, because you talk about the energy. It bleeds through the screen, the TV screen, the computer screen, whatever the hell you're watching the fight on. Because now people watch fights on their phones and shit, but whatever screen, the the the, the energy uh -huh. bleeds through the screen. So so I wanted to ask you though, man, um, about the main event, Javante Davis, Leo Santa Cruz. How do you see that fight playing out? Look, I I have I have the first five rounds. If Tank doesn't do anything in the first five rounds, Leo's going to eat his ass. Wow, that's my honest opinion. You know. Um, I feel that it's the weight that's going to drag um, Tank Davis uh, away from this fight. He comes down. He, he comes way too far. He gains too much weight, tries to bring it down, and then gets in the ring with, with knowingly, he has the first few rounds to, to do something, to make a, a big shot, get him out in the first five rounds. Otherwise, 
you're going to see him do the same thing he did with with Camboa. Is mm. put his is after you know halfway through the fight, he went on cruise control. Yeah, he I went mean, on he... cruise control because he knew he had to save something in the tank. He wasn't going to take him out. He knew that much, so he was like, you know what? I'm just going to go on cruise control and finish this fight. I got the win. And that was and that was uh, Gamboa with with you know. Some kind of injury. A leg torn Achilles, injury, you know bro. What I mean? He had a torn Achilles. Right? <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. Wow, so, okay. I mean, so, well, let me ask you this. Look. Do you think he's going to make uh-huh. weight? There's a lot of people saying he ain't going to make weight. There's going to be a deal where it's like, hey, man, I'll come in at 33. I'll give you some extra money. He has, he has that option, yeah. Yep. He has that option. And, and, and personally, I think he's going to take that route. Okay. Well, if he does that, if he comes I'm in a few pounds heavy, that does that does that help him? And then does that change your prediction for the fight? Um, it does help him a little bit. Yeah, it does. Weight does help a, a lot. Um, depends how you know how much he's coming in over. But uh, I still feel Leo Santa Cruz is a uh, he's a fucking nightmare. He's a train. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he just keeps going. You know he's he's got that one motion. And that one, you know, he's just a green light. Go, 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 go until he takes you out. I mean, yeah, he is the, the smaller guy. But at the end of the day, he's tough, man. Even at, at a smaller weight, he's tough. If you got someone just nonstop hammering, hammering away, um, if you don't do anything, you know, that's what I'm, I'm calling it. The first five rounds, if you're going to take him out in the first five rounds, I see Leo taking this fight. Wow, well, you're on the record, man. On the record. I like that. Yeah, so so you think, um, well, let me ask you this. Do, do you think Leo can get a decision? Because, and, you know, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories and all this, but Tank is the A-side, right? Can Leo Santa Cruz get Correct. a decision over Tank Davis? Um, I don't know. We're fighting in Texas. I, you know... That all does come into play. Um, just my my experience alone, I don't think so. Ooh. So you're expecting controversy. Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay. Oh, yes. This is a good fight. And it's a great fight to be on. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that PBC put me on this part. Yeah, man. You know, I, got, they, I, can, I can feel your energy, bro. I can tell that you're pumped time. up. You, you sound jacked oh, up. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I've been ready. It's because they pushed this fight back so many times for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This camp was was a, a long, long camp. I'm ready now. If I could get in the ring now, I would be willing and more than ready to get in there. I'm ready to go. When did you start camp? The first time. I was, and I, well, they 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 had me fight late August, so I had they okay. they called me, you know, the first thing of of, of July, and I was already in central utah and scipio and i was training out there on my own you know what i mean conditioning is the first thing that you need to get started with so i was doing you know chucking hay bales and and, and running and pulling wagons and i there, i shared a video on my instagram and facebook about what i was doing out there in the country Old but school. i mean i've been training all pretty much this whole this whole time you know and um uh, I'm just, you know, get back, getting back to Vegas when they're like, hey, you have a date, August, end of August, and they push it back to September. And now we're, we're, we're you know, fighting Halloween night. I've been in Vegas just, you know, rocking and rolling. 
So you started at Utah, but you've been in Vegas since, uh, what, late August, you'd say? Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. And I was going to ask you, I mean, you've come up short in title challenges before. Uh, Terry Flanagan, Roman Martinez. What lessons did you learn in those fights that you could take into this one? Uh, because you want another crack at the title, right? And you could possibly be right. fighting Tiafimo Lopez again, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, what what yeah. lessons did you take from those fights that you put into this fight? Well, like I mentioned already before, when I lose my head and I throw the game plan out the window, um, that's when hell falls through for me. Uh, what I've learned is just, you don't have to win the first round. You don't have to win the second round. You know what I mean? You, those things are 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 things that you know. I challenge. I accept any challenge. That's that's a good thing, and it's also a bad thing. Uh, when they told me against Terry Flanagan, they're like, "Hey, no matter what you do, you're gonna lose the first two rounds, regardless." And I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna show you otherwise." Uh, okay. And I started reaching and throwing Hail Marys, and I got caught. You know what I mean? And you know, I didn't fight too many southpaws, so it was. It was a whole different experience for me. So learning lesson, you know. So I get back in the ring, and, and uh, when I got uh, caught with uh, Teofimo, I mean, I put pressure on myself. That's what it was. I put more and more pressure on myself. Next thing you know, I'm like, all right, I'm fighting with heart and not my head. I'm like, come on, let, let's throw it down. Fuck it. Let's, 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 let's rumble. Right. You know, and that's when I get caught again. So that's just, you know, that's my – personality in a way but of course you have to learn from it if you don't learn from it you're you're gonna get the same thing the same results gonna happen so going in there with a new coach and a coach who's who's um who's looking out for my best interest he knows i have a family he knows that uh you know me coach and i we've known each other we've been friends ever since you know he was still fighting he had the title chico corrales was like we go way back i was only nine years old when i met him and uh we We've been together in you know different functions uh, here in Vegas, but um, now that he's in my corner, he's got as a different approach to me, and he's like I, I trust him in my corner as far as being you know there to make the right call and protecting my life, you know, because when we go out there, we're going to war, so right. I I trust him so much with my life. That's how I see it now. No. I love no. that, man. I I wanted to uh, – it made me just think about something. You know, Deontay Wilder recently fired his trainer, Mark Breland. They never gave an official reason, but the rumor is most people seem to think it's related to Mark Breland throwing in the towel against Tyson Fury earlier this year. So backing up to, to what you were just saying, what do you feel about that situation? Do you think Mark Breland made the right call? Would you want a trainer – in your corner that would be willing to save you from yourself because you have that warrior mentality, right? We've seen it from you. You're known yes. for it. Do you want yes. that guy in your corner? You, you know, I'm, my job is to get in the ring and go to war, right? right. Fight. Get in the ring. The bell rings. You go fight. You feel, They put you down. You get up and you continue fighting. That's my job. I'm, I, I, I'll tell my corner, I'll tell any any of my cornermen, they know. I'm going to get back, I'm going to continue fighting until I'm, until I'm done, mm -hmm. until I can't, until my body won't respond. But if it's responding, I'm getting up to continue to fight. It's up to my corner 
that's their job as the corners to look out for the fighter, not for the fighter to look out for himself. You know, I'm I'm not gonna. I there's no quitting in me. If you know that, if you know one thing about me, there's no quitting in me. So yeah. be prepared. As a coach, you should know that. You should know your fighter. That's why it's very important for the for the for the coach, the cornerman, to know who your fighter is. So you think Mark Breland did the right thing in that situation? You know, um, looking at it from outside, you don't know because you you don't have a clear picture of what's going on in the corner, what he's okay. responding to, you know, the direction, the command he's telling them and giving them and his, his reaction, you know, that's something that, that uh, referees are trained to. I think there should be some classes on coaches and, and referees. So there's not so many, you know, deaths. We, last year we had a lot of deaths in yeah. boxing. And it was un- unbelievable, but I think there should be some more, you know, Coaches clink, so everyone's perspective is 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 clear. I you agree. know, um, yeah. point, I wasn't in the corner, so I can't really tell. You know, being outside, I you know I don't know the fighter personally, so I don't know his character. I don't know if he's you know what I mean. If if that's him to continue fighting or someone who's mentally not strong enough, you know, I I it, it comes down to personality and who the person is in the corner. That's what it comes down to. That's a good point, man. That's a good point. I wanted to ask you, um, who have you been sparring? Is there anyone specific that you've been sparring to help you prepare for this fight with Cruz? Um, no one specific. We've been getting, you know, trying out a lot of different guys, you know, um, over the years in boxing, you just, you just kind of round them up and put them in there, you know? Um, but I, I've been having it's like I said before. It's nothing that's gonna surprise me. I know this guy is tough. He's gonna be pressuring right. me. He's gonna be coming forward. He's gonna be looking for you know a knockout because that's what his record shows. Just look at looking at his background is is he's a he stands on his feet, you know, and and he take a couple of shots and land a good one. So. Knowing that, I've seen boxing. I've I, I've known it. I've been around it since I was a kid. I mean, it, it's not too complicated, and that's one thing that Bones has. That he's like, hey man, it's not that complicated. Let's 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 simmer down. Let's focus. You know, uh, let's make it simple. So his strategy is making everything not so complicated, so you don't put that much pressure on yourself approaching uh, a, a fighter. Well. It's- Let's talk about the big, big fight this weekend. All right, with Teofimo Lopez going up against Vasily Lomachenko. You have experience with Teofimo. I wanted to ask you, you know, his power, his speed, his footwork, where do you rate it amongst the guys that you've fought so far? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's nothing that, like, I was asked this question, too, um, you know, everyone's focused on, oh, you know, Teofimo's got this, this this power, power, power. Right, he put me out, whatever. But, I mean, it's it's not something that, like, oh, a jab, like, like is like a thud. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's the punch you don't see. It's the one that takes you out. It's not so much, it doesn't have to be a power shot. It just has to be a well-planted shot or the punch you don't see that catches you off, 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 off balance. And put you down, you know. 
I give him all the credit in the world. He's a great fighter. As far as like looking at it as a boxing uh, analyst, right? I'm not Diego who fought, who got in the ring with Teofimo. I'm looking at just boxing uh, experience uh, and 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 style. I think that Lomachenko is getting this win. He's going to do it because of his experience, his boxing ability, his boxing knowledge, his movement, his placement in the ring is is. Is is where I think he's gonna get through and and, and land the shots. You know, um, he's very crafty. He he plans everything he does. He doesn't make he doesn't waste movement. You know, that's one thing that I do like uh, Lomo for. He, he makes short movements and he puts those punches in there. And that's boxing. I think it's it, it's artful. It's beautiful to me, and I understand it. I like it. So you think like you think Loma points, or do you think there's any chance for a knockout from either guy? What like do you see like an action-packed fight, a chess match type fight? If you had to say, definitely a chess. It's definitely going to be a chess match. Um, I give uh, well, I got to give Tiofimo credit for saying that you know he's going to take Lomo out in the third round. I mean, <laughs> we went seven rounds, you know. So I mean, give him credit for for <laughs> for that much giving me. The, the credit and the ability for me to go longer with with uh, with him than Loma will, um, you know it, it's just one of those things where I you know I made a big big mistake in that fight right. and uh, definitely my career wasn't there with me, you know and I felt that I I felt that I was going into that fight I felt that I was going alone I didn't have security in the corner when a fighter gets in a ring, it your corner means a lot to you. It means that it's the difference between going out there with confidence or going out there with, with half confidence. Hmm. A confident fighter goes in there and he just will go out there and shine. But, uh, but if you don't have that, it makes your fight so much tougher. You know, it's another, it's another fight within that fight that you're fighting already. Right. It's all mental, man. There's so much mental to this it game is. that people don't it understand, really right? Is. Yeah. Well, so so your sure fight with Cruz is is an eliminator, right? So you're going to be yeah. in line to face the winner between Loma and Lopez. Which one would you rather face, if you had your choice? Um, me. Which one I'd rather? I'd rather get back. I don't know. That's a tough one to call. I'd rather get my 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 win back, right? With with Lomachenko, but that's proving something. Now, if you look at it as a business sense, I'd rather get a fight with Lomachenko. Yeah, it's a bigger purpose, definitely. And his his track record and what he's done, he's got a bigger name. Fighting Lomachenko is is, is a better, I I believe, is a better. Fighting Fimo maybe is is another good one. You know what I mean? At this point in my career, I'm looking for for my my um my security. You know what I mean? Right. I'm looking for, for things that's going to benefit me. It's going to benefit me and my family. I have a three-year-old. I got to look after him. Um, if you go with ego, I'm going after Lopez. If you're going, you know, business direction, I'm going after uh, Lomachenko. So I mean, I would be happy with 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 either fighter. You know, um, I I love I love my job. You know, and I love the fact that I'm in position. To, to be even talking about this after, you know, after what happened, everybody was calling me out. 
Ismael Salas told me to retire. Wow. And he had me all set up to go to, to go work out with him and, and help him out as an assistant coach. And, dude, I did it for a week, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I, that's not me. I didn't make this decision. You did. I'm ready when I'm when I call it quits. It's because I'm done. You know, right? It, it, it's your your opinion. Yeah, hell no. That's not me. I was like, sorry, I can't do this. I am out. I'll find a new coach if you want to work with me. And that's what I did. I called Bones, and Bones was like, meet me tomorrow at noon. He just didn't even ask who I'm fighting. Nothing. Tomorrow, meet me in the gym at noon. I was like, I'm there. I'm that's there. Awesome, and man. now, and and look where we're at now. Ranked number six in the world, fighting for a title eliminator. I'm back in. I'm back in the in the winner circle, man. I love it. It's awesome, man. I love I your answer so too. Much after that fight, yes. I, after that fight, I went through so much shit, man. It was unbelievable. I I was depressed. I wasn't Diego. I wasn't myself. I wasn't. I I was I was hurting. I was looking for myself. Did that did that loss awesome. hurt the most? Did did the loss to Teofimo Lopez yeah, it, did it hurt the most? It hurt the most. Yeah, it, okay. it struck me really, really hard. I, it, I didn't. It hurt me so bad that I broke down in tears with my fiance Shannon Torres in the car when she says you're depressed, and I had to, I had to realize and and tell myself, fuck, I'm depressed. But it was at that moment where I, when I was like, I felt okay to talk about it. That's why I could sit here and talk talk openly with you guys about that because it, it it's what helps you get a step ahead of right. that depression right in a way you know this this my whole life as a kid hey you're gonna be world champ you're gonna be champ you're gonna it's all you hear is champ 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 and you start to believe it right and then you come up short and then you're and everyone turns their back on you and walks away so one thing i applaud for myself for is that i never quit on myself not one time did I quit on myself, and I continue to strive for, for for what I want and what I believe in. And I love that more boxers are willing to talk about this kind of stuff, brother. So thank you for for opening up and talking about that because I, I it sets an example for for the youth coming up. Because dude, dude, this is a macho sport, right? And it's old school. You're not hey, supposed hey. to talk about your feelings and all that. The fact that you can open up and talk right. about that as a grown ass man. Dude, you're saving lives just by doing that. So I want to thank you for for just talking about it. Hey, I appreciate it, man. And like you know, life after boxing. When I decide, when I decide to hang them up, I would love to go out there and and speak to, to people. I've done it already. You know, yeah. I've done it at my you know my elementary school, my high school, with my brother's high school. We've 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 done work like that before, and I really do think that you know. Everyone has a story to share, and if it's helpful, some people get it. If not, you know what I mean. On to the next. But uh, this is just me. I'm telling you, I'm speaking my truth and what I know. On that note, brother, uh, thank you so much for jumping on the show, man. We'll definitely do it again. Good luck in a couple weeks. Before I let you go, brother, um, let everyone know where they can follow you on social, so they can kind of watch you as you go on your journey. Yeah, on Twitter, I'm active, man. Underscore two fuego. On Facebook, it's Diego Magdaleno. You'll see a picture of me there for sure, um, you know, after my last win. And, um, yeah, Instagram, underscore Tufuego also. So, right. yeah, reach out. I interact with my fans, you know, on a daily basis. So, um, 
I mean, I'm I'm very active, so reach out and I'm I'm there. You guys will see me uh, Halloween night, so I just got off the phone with uh, with F4 Studios, uh, Furman, and uh, he's putting up my my uh, outfit together right now, and awesome. it's going to be a big secret for everyone. Else. Everyone oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. I look forward to that, man. Thank you so much, Diego. Awesome. No problem. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Let me get the applause over here. There we go. Diego Magdalena. Awesome. Awesome stuff, man. And again, um, I, I love at the end that he opened up a little bit and talked about some of the struggles after that Tiafima Lopez loss. Um, it it kind of goes back to last week, uh, Chon Zapeda, you know, talking about s- some of the times where he doubts himself, right? And, uh, Tyson Fury, he's been talking about some of the issues he's had with depression. You see more and more fighters willing to talk about this. I think it's very, very healthy for all of us. Look, man, I'm just going to put it out there. In our society, men are not allowed to talk about shit like that, right? You're put down for it. Guys, it, it don't take away your man card. If, if you're having issues with depression, if you're having issues um, with just with sadness that you can't seem to get and work through, man, talk about this shit. Talk about it to your uh, family, to to your coworkers, to to your friends, whoever. Talk about it. It helps. Okay, I have family members that struggle with clinical depression day in and day out. It is a part of their life, and. Uh, when I can get them to talk about it, sometimes it's just sending a text or a phone call, whatever it is. I, I see their mood get better and their life improves just a little bit. And the next day is a struggle all over again sometimes, but just sometimes just picking up that phone every now and then and talking about what you need to, it's very, very healthy. So uh, awesome for Diego. Um, thank you so much for being on the show again, man. We'll definitely have him back. Uh, he, You can see, He's in a good good place, right? And he's definitely uh, um, feeling pumped for this fight in a couple weeks, which uh, he should. It's just cool to see a, a guy excited like that to get back in the ring. And he was the first guy that I've been able to, on the record, say, man, we need fans. We need fans at the fights. Like, he, he, just, he just straight up said, yes, fans are better than no fans. And I know the politically correct answer a few months ago was like, oh, I don't care, you know, it, no, nah, man, let's be honest, guys. Sports has not been the same without the fans. So I love that in a couple of weeks there's going to be fans there. And um, that fight between him and Cruz, I actually think it's going to steal the show. I think it's going to be better than the main event. I think it's going to be the best fight on that card. I'm serious. Uh, I just, the, the way that the matchup, the styles and everything, I haven't seen much of Cruz, but from what I've heard from people, I've asked around a little bit. Um, born in Mexico, I think now lives and trains out of America. I can't remember exactly where last few fights were in America. Uh, he's hungry. He's young. He's coming for it. Diego, much older, more experienced, but with the fans there, once they get going, once, once some leather connects, those two are going to be fun to watch. All right, let's do a quick preview guys. Um, Friday, the 16th, there's a Telemundo card from, I think it's Kissimmee, Florida. I know it's somewhere in Florida, but I believe it's Kissimmee, Florida. And then Saturday, the 17th, Lewis Ritson fighting Miguel Vasquez, 140-pounders in Newcastle, England. That is on zone here in the States over on uh, Sky over in the UK. Uh, I should mention Sunday, I, I believe, I, I haven't seen confirmation on this, but I've been told ESPN Plus picked up an MT, uh, MTK Global card from the UK. That's Sunday. Obviously, the big show 
this Saturday is the top rank on ESPN show for the MGM Grand. By the way, if you haven't seen my preview video yet, make sure you do that. Lomachenko versus Lopez. Facts, insight, breakdown, prediction. Over 10,000 of you already have. We've got hundreds of comments on it. Some really good insight from a lot of you guys in the comments section. So jump over there, watch it, um, check it out, all right, and forward that and post that. Uh, to all your social media. Okay, I'm going to talk about the undercard first. So the co-main, Arnold Barboza, 24-0, 10 knockouts, going up against Alex Saucedo, 30-1, 19 knockouts. Uh, this is, of course, uh, Junior Welterweights, 10 rounds. So I like this fight. I like this matchup, and this fight could steal the show. This is the co-main, and I think in terms of action, two-way action, the way these fighters fit together, this one could steal the show, man. One thing, though, power is going to be an issue, similar to Navarrete versus Villa last weekend. Villa had a lot of skills. Better boxer than Navarrete in terms of fundamentals. More experienced if you include the amateurs, right? Not more experienced as a pro, but as an amateur, he saw every style of the book. But that lack of power and lack of experience you know, on the higher stage as a pro, I think did affect him. Certainly the lack of power did. And I think that might be an issue here. Barbosa just does not punch very hard. Punches a lot, but it's a lot of arm punches. Saucedo has more power. He's not what I would call a knockout artist, but he does have power. He has legitimate, respectable power as a junior welterweight. So in terms of boxing, craft, ability, you give the edge to Barbosa. In terms of power and, of course, experience, uh, is making a big leap in opposition here. In terms of experience, you give the edge to Saucedo. Uh, his fight against Maurice Hooker, uh, you know, that, that's a big fight for him, right? That's a good fighter. And he's fought a, a few other quality guys that Barbosa just hasn't fought yet. So I got to give the edge to Saucedo, but I'm telling you, it's going to be competitive and fun. Also on this uh, card, uh, Josue Vargas versus Kendo Castaneda, 10 rounds junior welterweights. That's a decent scrap. Edgar Berlenga, 14-0, 14 knockouts, all in the first round. I actually think that streak is going to be broken in this fight. He's going up against Linnell Bellows, who I think is a a fighter out of the uh, Mayweather gym in Vegas. Not a very good fighter, right? Uh, He's not not, a guy that I think is going to give Berlenga a real push. But he does know a little bit something about covering up and surviving. He's lost several times but never been stopped. So I think that first round knockout streak will end for Berlanga on this night. You heard it here first. But he's still going to get a knockout win. He's going to be the first guy to stop Bellows. This, of course, is a super middleweight fight. Eight rounds. And the return of Clay Collard going up against Quincy Levias. Eight rounds, middleweights. Clay, is, I think this is Clay's 27th fight. In 2020, so good for him. Okay, main event, Lomachenko, Lopez. I'm not going to break down every X and O here, guys. Go watch my breakdown video on my channel where it's it's half an hour long and I give a really nuanced view and some fun um, scenarios and stuff like that. Analogies, some fun, crazy analogies. I'll just say this. Both of these guys have 15 pro fights. Lomachenko has a loss against Salido in his second pro fight. But... 15 pro fights against very different levels of opposition. Lopez, again, you compare amateur pedigree. Lopez was an Olympian. Very good amateur career. I think 150 fights, somewhere in that range. 
that's less than half of what Lomachenko had. So Lomachenko, almost 400 amateur fights. And then the guys he's faced as a pro in his 15 pro fights are just so much better than the 15 guys Lopez has faced. I just think that experience is going gonna, is gonna to win through here. Unless Loma does something really stupid and, again, gets caught at mid-range, that, that's a big word that I use in my prediction video, I talk about mid-range distance. I think Loma has to be on the inside or all the way on the outside on either the right or left shoulder of Lopez. He cannot come straight in. He needs to come at an angle. If he does come straight in, he's got to faint and make Tio shoot and miss. Then he can come straight in. Um, and when he pivots and shifts at mid-range, he's got to keep them hands up. He's got to throw punches while he does it. At least something to blind Tiofimo. Tiofimo could strike lightning in the bottle at mid-range with a hook or an uppercut of 45 during when Aloma shifts. I can't see that happening. If it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me, okay? It wouldn't shock me if that happens. But I don't think it will. I think what's going to happen here is Lomachenko is going to put on a classic boxing clinic type of performance. Lopez is going to win some rounds, particularly early on, maybe a gimme round toward the late rounds. So he might win three or four rounds. And don't be surprised if the, one of the judges scores in the draw or some shit. By the way, we don't know who the ring officials are yet. We should know within the next 48 hours. But don't be surprised if one judge has it super close. And the same conversation I was having today about judges, we're having it next week. But I, I, I really see like a 116-112, 117-111 type of win for Lomachenko. I really, really do. I think Teofimo Lopez's best chance is to catch uh, Lomachenko um, getting a little lazy, getting on cruise control, sliding, shifting, and not having his hands up or jumping straight in without setting it up with a feint or a jab or something as he did against Linares. I think, though, I think that Loma's going to find Tio's rhythm after three or four rounds and kind of have his way with him late. I really, really do. That's just what I see. It's my gut feel, guys. I should mention to um, to those of you in the UK, I tweeted about this, but this fight will be on Fight TV. That is F-I-T-E TV. And I think it's 10 pounds. So you can stream it over there. It is a damn shame that Sky or any other platform over there didn't want to pick it up. I don't know what the hell their problem is, but they couldn't. They could not figure out the financials. They couldn't settle on the financials for this fight. But you guys could pick it up for ten pounds. For ten pounds, this is the best pay per view value you've had in a long time. Pick up this fight. It'll be and the whole card's going to be fun. I actually think it's a pretty fun card, all in all. But it's on free, or I shouldn't say free, it's on regular cable here in the United States. That is a big deal, and I'm feeling a lot of buzz for it. The only, only thing is the lack of crowd. If this was in front of a sold-out crowd in Madison Square Garden, or even at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, and on regular ESPN, holy shit would this be hype. But we're missing that live crowd. That is the only thing about this that's somewhat of a buzzkill. Everything else about this is great. Everything else. So I'm super excited. This is for the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. And let me, let me just say this about Lomachenko real quick. Assuming he does win, assuming he does win this fight, which I feel he will, okay? That means he was a world, uh, world title holder. I won't call him a champion, but a world title holder at 126 in his third pro fight. 
and beat Gary Russell Jr. in that fight, who I think is still the best featherweight in the world. I think Gary Russell Jr., I know he fights once a millennium, but he's still the best featherweight in the world. Lomachenko beat him. And by the way, it shouldn't have been a majority decision. That was a unanimous decision. The judges screwed that one up. But that was his third pro fight. Wins the title at 126. Then moves up to 130. And then, of course, to 135. Wins his third world title in just his 12th pro fight. We all know that's a record. This is his chance, though, to, to once and for all. He, he, he's already the champion at lightweight. But if he wins this fight, he's the undisputed. He's got all the titles, lineal, ring, all of it. Forget about the WBC email. And by the way, if you're just jumping on the show, I talked about earlier, go to Doug Fisher's Twitter timeline. You'll see he tweeted a quote directly from Mauricio Suleiman, the president of the WBC, who said the winner between Lomachenko and Lopez is the undisputed lightweight champion. If Lomachenko could beat Teofimo Lopez and do it in decisive fashion in his 16th pro fight, not only will he be a three-time title holder in three different divisions, not only will he have, he have taken several O's from guys like Brigadiao, Lopez, and others, but this will be a, the undisputed championship in his 16th pro fight. Not many fighters do that. It's special stuff. If he wins this fight, he is pound for pound number one in the world. I'm not going to say that definitively just yet. We got to see the fight and see how he wins. That's, but that's, guys, that's the stakes for this fight. There's huge stakes on the line here. For Lopez, if he does strike lightning in a bottle, he catches Lomachenko, knocks him cold, ices him in the third round as he's promised that everyone is going to do. That would be the, I want to say the performance of the year because as great as Tyson Fury's performance was against Deontay Wilder, no one had Deontay Wilder on pound for pound, but nobody credible did. If Tiafimo Lopez knocks out Lomachenko, that's the performance of the year, guys. It's, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I do think to a certain degree it would be jarring and shocking to the world because Lomachenko is such a great fighter, and he is on most people's pound-for-pound pound list. So that's the way I see this, man. Super chat pledge from my man, John Uden. Thank you so much, bro. He says, uh, we know this will be a career-defining moment for Lopez if he wins. If Loma wins, is it bigger than his win over Rigo? Great freaking question. John always has great questions. Um, we won't know until we know. <laughs> I know that sounds like a crazy answer. We won't know until we see the fight and how he wins. Because it's not just who you beat. It's sometimes it's how you beat him. But considering all the intangibles, uh, it might be. It might be. The one thing about the Rigondeau win, number one, a lot of people have 20-20 hindsight. And they're saying, oh, man, pfft. I knew Lomo was going to win that fight. If you go back and you look at prediction videos and everything and the podcast the week or two before that fight, that shit was 50-50. A lot of you out there were picking Rigo. But once Loma beat him, it was, oh, well, he was so much bigger. You know, it was the size difference. You know, that's what it was. Even though size, style-wise, really didn't play that much of a factor. I think people are always going to discredit Lomachenko. People that just don't like him... I'm going to discredit that victory for him because he was naturally a bigger guy than Rigo. And after that fight, Rigo hasn't done shit. He's, won, he's been in a couple fights and everything, but he hasn't done much. He just hasn't. He kind of fell off the face of the earth to a certain degree. The, his cult fell apart. There's still a few cult members, but it was this huge cult, and then it just fell apart. If that happens with Teofimo Lopez, it'll kind of be the same thing. 
The only thing is, if he beats Lopez, you can't say, oh, this dude was past his physical prime. No, he's still young. He's like 10 years younger than Loma. You can't say he was smaller. Tio's bigger. He's a bigger guy. By the way, I've met Tio in person a couple times. That dude's hands might be as big as mine, and I'm 6'4". That dude has mitts, seriously, for, for a light. He's not a lightweight, but he's going to fight a lightweight Saturday. But he does not have lightweight hands. That dude is big. He's got middleweight hands. I'm serious, guys. He's got big-ass hands. So while I don't – maybe his power is a little exaggerated, but it definitely – when you got hands like that at that size and you have that kind of burst power at mid-range where you can throw really short little shots, whether it's tiny little hooks, uppercuts, 45s, with hands like that, you can get some damage done. I'm telling you, that's a big kid, man. So if Loma beats him, all the excuses that people make for the Rigondeau fight, you really can't use. However, what they'll say is, ah, oh, he was a hype job. That's what they'll say. If Tio, even if he loses to Loma and learns it gets better, just like we saw with Ruben Villa against Navarrete, I do think Ruben Villa will be a better fighter after that fight. Um, if Tio loses, moves up to 140, and ends up winning titles there, you guys got to think, after Ramirez and Taylor fight at 140 and unify, those guys are going to move up to 147, both of them, and all those titles will break up again. So within the next year or two, Teofimo is going to have an opportunity to fight for vacant titles at 140. Now, if he goes to 140 and ends up winning a couple titles there, Loma's victory over him will age well. But like I said, we won't know till we know. That's just how these things work in boxing. All right, we got a call here. Let's jump over to the phones real quick. 901, 901, you're on the show. Go. Yeah, hey there, Mike. How you doing? This is uh, Midwest uh, Ceylon calling in from uh, uh, Bradenton or something like that. Yeah, what's up, man? Got me uh, Okay, there. Uh, you betcha. Well, I was watching the Packers game, and I was thinking about how I got this half ribbon, and uh, I think in Teofimo Lopez, uh, he just ain't going to, if uh, if, uh, if the Russian fella, if he beats him, it, it's not going to be his Vaselina uh, uh, Chinkle's best win, I'll tell you that. It's going to be something more like up there with maybe just a notch over his, uh, his banking around of that uh, uh uh, Nicholas Walter Cronkite guy from uh, Jamaica. Because, uh, you know, uh, I'd have to put Lenari stuff there as his best win, no matter what. Okay. Hey. <laughs> I hope you enjoy your Babs Blue Ribbon, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I drink about uh, two more of them, and maybe uh, me and the women's volleyball team are going to go a few rounds ourselves. Hey, okay. all right. There's nothing wrong with that, brother. The women's volleyball players, now that's a female sport I'll watch. You know what I'm saying? Uh, nothing wrong with that. You just made me spill my water, man. Holy shit. Oh, then he hangs up the phone. That's hilarious. He just hung up after that. that holy shit, that was a great caller. Well, I'll quote you in the Ring TV piece, but, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what, what the hell to call you. Uh, great call. Holy shit, on that note, guys, I, this dude just made me spill my water. Let's uh, get the outro music going here. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Oh, man. Okay, guys. Um, let me know if you want me to do a video about my Hall of Fame votes. Either way, whether we do that or not, Saturday night on my channel, 
Montero Unboxing on YouTube. We will do a live fight party. Jump over there, have a few drinks with me. I'm sure that Midwest guy will be watching with his patch blue ribbon if he's done with the, the volleyball players, that is. And uh, yeah, I'll see you at the fights. Peace. What? <laughs>